You are listening to Indonesia In-Depth. I'm Sean Corrigan. And I'm Tanita. We are now entering the official presidential debate phase for the upcoming elections this April. Bapak Jokowi Dodo dan Kiai Haji Ma'ruf Amin. I expect the presidential debates to be much more interesting than the current campaign which began on September 23rd last year. We want to walk you through the upcoming debates with Dr. Jayadi Hanan. Dr. Jayadi is the executive director of Saiful Mujani Research and Consulting, or SMRC which is one of the credible polling and political research firms in Indonesia. Dr. Jayadi is also a lecturer and the director of political science research at the Paramedina University in Jakarta. Dr. Jayadi Hanan, so we want to talk to you about the current presidential campaign. Soon we will have a presidential debate, and I think the presidential debates can finally give life to the campaign, which has been rather lackluster for the past three and a half months. And the campaign period this year is longer than what we had in the 2014 election. But for me, that 2014 campaign felt longer than what we have right now. Mm-hmm. One is, uh, my comment on that is that although in the past our uh, official campaign time was very limited, only about a month, the official campaign time, but in reality, candidate had been campaigning for quite long, even way before the official time. So Indonesian people in general, in reality, uh, actually experience, has experienced the political campaigning from the candidates for quite long before the official campaign time uh, when we compare it to the, uh, the election in the past, including in 2014. That is number, number one. Number two, uh, the official campaign time for 2019 is started in uh, September of 2018. And from September 2018, that means the candidates, both the candidates for uh, legislative elections and also for presidential elections, can fully campaign as long as they are not violating the rules with some restrictions, as you mentioned. The one that is uh, restricted is only the campaign in the media. Other than that, you can do campaigning. In the media, the, the campaign for the media, as you mentioned, will be started in March 2019. It will run around about a month, maybe. What is meant by the campaign in the media, that is advertisement, uh, like advertisement in the, on, on, on TVs, radios, uh, and other mainstream medias like official online media or, or, or printed media, or, and so on. Does that include, sorry, does that include social, social media now? Can, can candidates run say Instagram or Facebook yeah, they, ads? They, they, or can, they can do that as long as you, there is a specific definition of campaign in Indonesian regulation. For instance, if you uh, try to promote yourself as a political party or, or as, a, uh, as a candidate for the president, as long as you, you don't say that, please vote for me, I'm running for this office and so on and so forth. Although you are promoting yourself, as long as you don't mention that kind of uh, sentence, you are not considered campaigning, for instance. Yeah? So although officially the, um, the campaign in the media is still prohibited until March 2019, but I think the candidates has their own way of getting around this to still use the media in promoting themselves. And that, what, that is what, what, what is happening.
And as you can see, if you follow it closely, that there has been some complaints from some groups of candidates or some groups of civil societies and so on and so forth about some violations on the rules of the campaigning. And they are processed. Uh, but so far, I think there are a few of them only uh, have been considered violating the rules of the campaigning. Well, the Indonesian Election Commission, or KPU, uh, which is the institute that was established during Reformation era in 1998, and is responsible for administering basically the legislative and general elections at all levels, will conduct five rounds of official debates for the president and vice president candidates. The first debate will be held in January 17th and addresses the themes of law, human rights, corruption, and terrorism. And the following debates will be held within a month interval. Dr. Jayadi, so what do you think about the upcoming debate? How impactful would this debate be for gaining new and securing existing voters? Um, the debates in Indonesia, just like the debates in other countries, I think are not very substantial, significant in terms of moving up or moving down the electability of the candidates. But it is very important in terms of the voters know more about the candidate or the candidate can communicate directly through television with a large amount of the audience, right? Meaning that they can explain better about what they are going to do and defend about their track record in front of a large amount of the audience. Other than that, whether or not the debate will be a game changer, it is still debatable. But for the record, uh, in 2014, based on our research, there are about 85% of Indonesian voters watched the debate at least once. There were four or five debates in 2014, I forgot. But 85% of the voters watched the debate at least once. And about 70% of the voters watch the debate once or more than once, but not all of them. 16% watch all of the debates. In 2014, though, there was no clear winner, according to the, the voters who watched the debate, about who won the debate between these two candidates. There, is no, there was no clear winner. And as a result, also, uh, you can see uh, the, the, the election is closed. Yeah. Now, usually, the research found that when the election is closed, the race is closed, meaning the margin between the two candidates are not so much, then the debate will be important. I think that uh, what we also found in 2014. The debate w was important at the time in making... For instance, for Jokowi, it, it was important in 2014 because since the beginning, people public seems to underestimate his capacity in doing the debate. While Prabowo on the other side was considered a very smart guy, very experienced, and so on and so forth. But based on the debate, then people will see that uh, this candidate can be level to one another, right? That is the benefit for Jokowi at the time. And our exit poll in 2014, of July 2014, also found that the more, uh, the more people watch the debate, 
the more benefit that the Jokowi got at the time. Yeah, but this time around, whether the debate will be having significant impact on the race or not in terms of the electability of the candidates, it depends on whether or not the the race is close. But for the time being, I would say the race is not close enough because until let's say until January 2019 we see that the margin between these two candidates are more than 10% which is significant enough if this margin more than 10% on average in some uh, like in ours is more than 20% if this uh, margin continues all the way to April 2019 that that means we don't have a close race in the situation of the non-existence of close race, then we don't, we will not see any significant impact of the debate on the race. So this year we're seeing a rerun of the candidates from the 2014 election, but we have now Widodo as the incumbent president. So do you think there is any effect from that fact? Yeah, there are two factors that can affect the election when there is an uh, an incumbent, right? Number one is the so-called fundamental factors. In Indonesia now, there are two most important fundamental factors. Number one is the unincumbency, meaning that how good is the evaluation of the people about the incumbent. So far, good enough, meaning that the incumbency effect is more in favor of the incumbent now. Number two is the general living condition. The general living condition, there are two that are very important now. Number one is the stability of security. And as you know that in Indonesia, the security stability is quite good now. Security is very stable. Meaning that this uh, general living condition also, in terms of security, is in favor of the, the incumbent. Number two is the economy. This is a very important fundamental factor that can affect the election uh, for quite long. Now, this is tricky for incumbent because on the one side, people see there are good economic performances of the government, of, of the incumbent, especially aspects of economy that are not directly related to the daily life of the people, like infrastructures project. It is appreciated very well by, by the people. And also other things uh, yeah, uh, which is uh, appreciated very well is they are on the aspect of education and health. So these three things are appreciated very high by the people. Infrastructure projects, programs, education, and health services. They are good. But at the same time, people's evaluation on the economy, especially on the uh, daily life of economy, as I mentioned before, are not that good. So there is a possibility of this race to be uh, tightening if those fundamental factors changing. The one that is very pos- that is having a good possibility of getting worse is uh, the economy. If the economy is worsening, especially the price of the goods, weakening of the rupiah, the worsening of job, employment, and so on, and so on, and so forth, the inflation going down, going up, then it is possible that the economy will be worsen. If the economy is worsening, then there is a possibility of the race to be tightening. So from that fundamental factors, we, see, we, see, we still see some possibilities of the race to be tightening, meaning that there is still possibility of the contender to be more competitive in this election. Whether or not they will win the election, we'll see uh, how the race goes.
But the rest of the factors lead to the second factors, the so-called non-fundamental factors. For instance, the issues in the campaign. Number two is the political gaffes and blunders. If that happens, it is a possible, uh, especially when it is not in favor of the incumbent, then there is a possibility of the race to be tightening. So just a short background for our listeners here. For this upcoming debate, the KPU decided to implement a semi-closed model where they would reveal a list of 20 potential questions a week before the debate, five of which will be selected by the moderator for each topic, which are law, corruption, human rights, and terrorism. Now, the KPU says that they made this decision because they wanted to emphasize more on the substance instead of the performance elements as they tend to be. Jadi sebetulnya harapan publik terkait dengan uh, pertanyaan yang tertutup, ya, itu masih di... For example, in the past, candidates ended up attacking personalities and unnecessary aspects of the other candidates um, instead of the actual substance. So there were some controversies surrounding this. Some critics came from Prabowo's camp, which is Joko Widodo's contender, arguing that the policy favors Jokowi more since he is considered less adept as a public speaker, while Prabowo has much more public speaking experiences, considering also this is his fourth time running for president. So what do you think about this recent headline about KPU revealing the questions prior to the debate? Mm. I don't really understand why the, the KPU decided to give the questions in advance to the candidates. Yeah? Uh, one of the reasons that I heard is that uh, to make sure that the candidates can be focused more on the details of their uh, programs and so on and so forth. Yeah. But I think this is one of the things that you mentioned as, as the non-substantial aspect of this election. Uh, I think this issue should not come out in the first place because it's not important for, for the debates. It will not be influential whether or not you give them the questions in advance or not. Because, number one, if the candidates need to know what kind of issues they need to tackle, I think it has been very clear, right? For the first debate, we will talk about four things. Corruption, uh, law enforcement, terrorism, and human rights. It's very clear, right? And as a candidate of the president or the vice president, your team can dig deep into any of these issues and provide any kind of possible questions and possible answers to that, right? So, so just by having, just knowing the topic, you should, yeah, the, the candidate right. should already be prepared. And it is prepared. also the job of the, uh, the candidate and his uh, campaign team to prepare for that, right? And besides that, the, the debate is not only about the race between, uh, the race about who is smarter than the other, right? But in the debate, it is about judgment, judgment of the people about the capacity of the, the candidates and also the, the temperament, the, you know, the, not only about the intellectual capacity, also their judgment, their psychological capability, projection, their communication skills, and so on and so forth. Not only about memorizing the data and so on and so, and so forth. So either way, I think it will not increase or decrease the quality of the debate. So that's why I think the, the, the decision to, to give the questions in advance only create a kind of unnecessary controversy 
but I think it it has uh, it's it has been decided, and I think Indonesian general uh, the general election commission said that this uh, this kind of format will not be the only format they are using for the next debates because there is a possibility of evaluating it. So we'll see. I don't think any candidate will be, be uh, will get the benefit from that po- for, from that kind of format, or will get uh, some problems because of that uh, uh, the decision. Kalau kita kalah, negara ini bisa punah. Jangan sampai ada bilang Indonesia punah. Tidak ada. Rakyat ingin pemerintah yang bersih dan yang tidak korupsi. Sesulit apapun hambatan itu, kita harus bersama-sama membangun negara ini. Elit Indonesia selalu mengecewakan. Politik Sontoloyo. Since the election started last September, campaign headlines that have dominated the mainstream discourse have been mainly unsubstantial. Now, as in other countries, smear campaigns are not new in politics, where campaign headlines are dominated by issues and sensational headlines aiming to tarnish one's reputation. To date, instead of hearing about the candidates' programs, arguments, or ideas, the hot issues tended to be silly narratives such as when Jokowi used a word that some considered inappropriate to describe politicians that exploit animosities or politic sontoloyo, as the president said. Or the talk about Prabowo's VP candidate, Santiago Uno, stepping over a tomb of a famous cleric leader. Another one was Prabowo's statement about people who look like they're coming from the countryside, Boyolali, in central Java, and have never stepped foot inside of a nice hotel in Jakarta. These are just some examples of the campaign discussion so far. But, Dr. Jayadi, why is the campaign focused on such unsubstantial issues? Um, there are several reasons for that. Number one is that on the side of the contender, they still need to focus on reconsolidating their base now. What I mean by base, probably, uh, uh, one of the, I think the target of the contender should be, they need to make sure that the voters who voted for uh, the contender in 2014 will will vote again for them and uh, to do that they will they will try to focus on portraying the incumbent as much much more negative so that they can reconsolidate their ba- their basis and they will hope that th- this basis will be more militant now will be more enthusiastic because they are not only voting for their candidate but also vote, uh, voting for against the, the, the incumbent. That kind of campaign strategy uh, requires them to focus more on emotional types of campaigning, right? Because the most strategy, the best strategy that can be used by the contender when, when the contender is uh, facing the incumbent is by saying that the incumbent is failed or very negative and if you if we continue with him then there are some threat yeah meaning that exploit uh, exploiting fear instead of hope and to do so they need to focus on more unsubstantial uh, campaigning types of thing like portraying the personality of the incumbent portraying the the the, the history the past history of the the incumbent 
portraying the identity like ethnicity or the intensity of religiousness of the incumbent and so on and so forth so that is on the side uh, of of the contender number two probably they uh, they will follow after they feel like uh, that this kind of negative portraying of the the incumbent is successful then they follow it with some kind of plan uh, for for the future i think uh, there are some clue on that i think the 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 contender has been consistent enough in using a, uh, an issue of economy although the problem is that on the issue of economy what they have been doing so far is just mentioning the problems we have problems in jobs we have problems in price of the basic yeah, goods yeah. the weakening of the the indonesian rupiah and so on and so forth the burgeoning of the um, amount of debt that we have so far despite uh, the fact that we are having a lot of infrastructure projects and so on and so forth but when it comes to the question what will you do to fix all of those problem corruption also is was one of the issue that becomes the main issue from the contender but when we ask them what will you do that are different from the current government so that you are going to be better so that we can elect you then it's not there yet i think probably they are waiting for the debate that you are mentioning because maybe from the first debate in january 2017 all the way to april 17 in 2019 probably they will focus more on that solution on the other side i think the incumbent yeah as you know the approval rating for the incumbent is not bad although not very high according to most of the polls the approval rating of the incumbent is about six, between 60 to 70 it's good enough but there are some challenges for this incumbent especially in the economy for instance the economic growth has not been more than 5% and this has been a bit stagnant a bit stagnant and he promised growth. 7 right. 7% exactly because it was promised in uh, for 7% people still some people are still complaining about the daily life of economy like the price of the basic goods difficulties in finding jobs uh, the poverty and then more corruption that are seen by 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 the people and so on and so forth so in terms of economy for instance um, people evaluation has been modest in general meaning that uh, if we ask them are you better off compared to four years ago in terms of economy mostly will say not so much just about the same and the one who said we are better off now compared to the one we are worse off is also about the same when we are comparing meaning that economy is not very is not bad it's just stable but it's not something that is very high that can make the incumbent unbeatable economically speaking so uh, because of that then many campaign themes of the incumbent has been defensive right how to defend uh, whatever they have been doing so far especially when people are especially from the opposition when they are comparing between the performance of the incumbent with the promises that uh, he made in 2014 mm-hmm. then of course they need to defend the, uh, that first 
including how to defend all of those emotional types, non-substantial types of attack to the incumbent. As a result, then, during the last two or three months, first campaign time, from September 2018 until uh, early January, we have seen uh, so far more a kind of uh, gimmick, uh, more, uh, more kind of what you mentioned as non-substantial uh, theme of campaigning. But I think both themes promise to everybody that they will focus more now on uh, more substantial uh, types of campaigning, especially after uh, the debate, starting from the debate in 2007, uh, in January 2017. Mm. Dr. Jadi, I know that first-time voters will play an important role in this year's election. Out of the 196.5 million voters, 7.4% or 14 million will be voting for the first time according to the National Election Commission, or KPU. These voters consist of those starting at the age of 17 through 22 years old, and also newly retired civil servants, military, and police personnel who were prohibited from taking part in the elections during their tenure. Um, and if we go, if want to go further, uh, we can see also, I think, more massive use of social media. It is for at least two or three reasons. Number one is that the internet penetration has been doubled in Indonesia since 2014. In 2014, the, uh, based on our own survey, in 2014, the internet users in Indonesia has uh, was around 22% in 2014. But in 2018, it has been more than double. I think it has been reaching the the number about 55 percent, and of course, mostly in the in the cities. Yeah, and, and mostly in Java, correct? And in in the big cities mm-hmm. outside Java, in big cities like Batam, yeah, Medan, mm-hmm. Palembang, big cities. Uh, um, but in general, it is in 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 the cities. So the uh, better penetration of the internet make it make social media is more important. Number two, as you know, that uh, most of the internet users are the so-called millennials, and the millennials now has been also the focus of each of the candidates for also a very obvious reason. Uh, the millennials, if we, if we define millennials as the person who reach uh, their adulthood during the era of millennium, uh, that means the people who were born 1981 and after, then the number of the millennials in Indonesia in 2019 will be around 55%. Of the total voters, fifty-five percent. Fifty-five percent by SMRC's count, yeah, projected from the Indonesian Bureau of Statistics data. So, the, according to Indonesian Election Commission, the number of voters which will be using their, which are eligible for using their voting rights in two thousand nineteen, will be around one hundred and ninety something million. Meaning that you can uh, you can count by yourself that 55% of them uh, of the uh, of that number is a very high number. So none of the candidates from from political parties will ignore that that, that fact. Then they have to focus on millennial, and one of the ways to focus on millennial millennials is by using social media, uh, because overwhelmingly the user um, millennials usually use. Uh, uh, the social media. Um, in SMRC's uh, surveys, uh, around more than 70% of the millennials are the users of the, the internet. So those two types of facts 
make the campaign through social media is much more uh, focus, uh, mas- much more um, massive yeah, mm-hmm. now. You're right. Indonesia has a young demographic overall. Millennials, including ones voting for the first time, make up a large portion of the electorate. Reportedly, more than 40% of them in the upcoming election, according to the KPU, or even over 50%, according to the SMRC survey, as you explained. So either way, they're a big portion, obviously. The first presidential debate is around the corner, and here are some takeaways from speaking with Dr. Jayadi. We have at least four points. To start, the change of the debate format where the questions were revealed prior to the debate by the KPU would probably neither harm nor benefit either candidate in the first debate, according to Jayadi. But the KPU will see how things go and may change the format later. Second of all, it seems like the debate won't affect voters too dramatically. um, And with all situations considered, it is favoring upon the incumbent. Unless there happens to be a major negative shift in the economy or people are influenced by random sensational news and social media, which on the latter part, Jayadi thinks is not very likely because Indonesian voters are savvy enough already. Yeah, although that is the case, we will likely continue to see random sensational headlines compared to information about programs, qualified arguments, and research-based ideas that are put forth by each of the campaign teams. The reason is, it is much easier to create and disseminate these smearish reports compared to data-heavy campaign materials, especially with the intense use of social media as a campaign platform. Speaking of which, statistics shows that Indonesian youths are one of the most active users of social media in the world. These millennials voters will make up a large portion of the electorate, some of whom are probably first-time voters. Many of these youths are apathetic and have lack of trust in politics. Listeners should follow Saiful Mujadi Research and Consulting, or SMRC, on Twitter, at Saiful underscore Mujani, to get their latest updates and surveys. If you have any comments for us, please send them to info at indonesiaindepth.com. And if you enjoy our content, give us a shout out on Twitter, at IndoIndepth. I'm Sean Corrigan. And I'm Tanita. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.